Well, good morning, everyone. Is that uh, sounds working? Everyone can hear me? Yep, good. Uh, does anyone here this morning have the courage or possibly the eyesight to be able to tell me what this is? Someone say egg? It's not an egg. Acorn, here you go, Andy, you can have that acorn. Uh, does anyone know what an acorn grows into? What was that? A huge tree? Oak tree? Yeah, we're going to know. I'm not going to throw it because someone's going to get hurt. Um, Buy one over there. Yeah, they turn into oak trees. Something like that. Numerous times inside of scripture, there goes one, um, Christians are compared to trees. Again and again in Psalm 1, in Corinthians, Christianity is compared to being a tree. Not specifically an oak tree, but the oak tree is a tree that impresses me. They are nearly monolithic in size, as you can see. They exude strength and power. They're all sorts of different, unique shapes and sizes. And they endure. Depending on the type of oak that there is, it can take anywhere between 50 to 100 years for an oak tree to come to full maturity. 50 to 100 years of enduring and ongoing growth until that tree is completely matured. Consider then for a moment this little acorn. What does it take to, take to make something that is like this into something that is like that? To grow into a full and mature acorn, oak tree, not acorn tree. Last Sunday, I gave everyone at the night service a small acorn to be able to take home. At that time, they were freshly picked and green and looked lovely. Now they're all brown and shriveled and sitting in my desk in the office. A little less uh, aesthetically pleasing to take home. But in fact, the illustration is even more powerful because of it. Before Christ, uh, well, uh, Christians sorry, are like acorns. Before Christ, we were green, freshly picked, full of potential. We were able to turn into wonderful oak trees of faith, strong in our own righteousness, powerful in our own justification, and deeply rooted in a relationship with God. But then came sin, and corruption set in, and we turned brown, and cracked, and became lifeless. Acorns that were good for nothing. We once had a promising future, now no longer. The boasts that we make are now the last groans that escape a dying body, with only one hope to get out of it. One hope to go from being a dead, useless acorn into the oak tree of faith. Anyone know what that hope is? Jesus. that we might become disciples of Christ, brought back to life. Not as green acorns filled with possibility, but instead fully mature oaks, brought from death to full maturity inside of Jesus, cloaked in his righteousness, not our own, cloaked in his justification, not our own, and deeply rooted in the gospel. So consider yourselves for a moment as you did the acorn, how did you become a disciple of Jesus? 
It's becoming a theme. What role do you and I have now in assisting other people from making this same transformation? What role do we have with the person that's next to you or the person that's in the gym or on the bus or at work? Helping them to make this same transformation into a full, mature disciple of Jesus Christ. How do you transform someone that was once a dead acorn into an oak? How are disciples made? That's the question that we're going to be answering this morning in our series on discipleship. And to do so, we're going to be looking at a broad range of scriptures and sadly moving rather swiftly through them all. So let's spend just a moment in prayer. Pray that I can communicate well, that you guys can listen well, and that by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, we might come to an understanding of who he is. Father, we come before you giving thanks, Lord, that you are a God that desires to be known. You're a God that desires for us to be in relationship with you. Else we wouldn't even be having this discussion about discipleship. We would remain as dead acorns on the ground, good for nothing but mulch. Instead, we're talking about a hope and a possibility that we could be something more that we actually as professing Christians are already something more, but that we can pass on that blessing to others. Father, I pray more than anything this morning that we would, that you would be present here, that you would grow us by your power, by your spirit. Help us to be able to gain a greater glimpse of Jesus Christ and be able to delight in him so much more by the end of this morning, exactly as Felicity said before, that this sermon wouldn't be a break in our worship but continue to magnify Jesus Christ instead. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. It wouldn't surprise many of you here this morning to realise that the first step well, the first thing that is needed for an acorn to grow is that it must be planted. But it can't be planted just anywhere, can it? You don't see oak trees growing on the side of volcanoes or underneath the sea. Neither do you see them growing on the clouds or on the beach or in deserts. The acorn must be planted in a very specific soil in order for it to be able to grow healthy. Humanity is no different. We need to grow, what we need to grow as mature disciples of Jesus Christ is that we must be planted in the correct soil. We must be planted in the right place. It is the soil that we must ensure we are planting others into in order for them to be able to grow. At the very beginning of church history, not long after Jesus ascended into heaven, we see that before new disciples started popping up like saplings all over the place, The first thing that needed to happen is that the Word of God needed to be applied in every area. Acts 6 verse 7 says, The Word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to faith. As the Word of God advanced from Jerusalem and then beyond, so did the growth of new disciples. Why is that? Because it is the word of God that brings us a knowledge of salvation in Jesus Christ. 
the Word of God, the Gospel, is the only soil into which we as Christians, as dead acorns initially, can be planted in order that we may grow, that we may start sinking our roots into the soil and grow. It is the good news of Jesus. It is the proclamation. The proclamation of the Word of God and it is the first necessity of a disciple of Jesus. Now, I know at least 90% of the people here this morning, even in hearing the word proclamation, had a pit open up inside their stomach, thinking, my goodness, if I have to start standing up the front of people, proclaiming, or on the bus doing loud declarations in front of a heap of strangers, that's just going to be the worst. I do not want to hear this sermon, and I'm tuning out. You can relax, I'm there with you. I don't like doing that type of stuff. Preaching's about as far as I go. I think about soapbox preaching and I think about those loud declarations and I start to get pretty nervous. But what we are talking about this morning is not the method of proclamation but instead the message that is being proclaimed, the importance of what the message is. 1 Corinthians 17, 1.17 says... For Christ didn't send me to baptise, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The power to fuel growth doesn't rest in our presentation skills. My PowerPoint skills, or my sermon skills, even right now, are not what's fueling new growth inside of disciples. The power needed for discipleship rests in the Word of God, the actual thing being proclaimed, the message itself, the good news of Jesus. It is the good news of Jesus that you and I and every of the disciple of Christ must be planted in and never again be removed. There is a common mistake in our thinking that the Word of God is only good for those who are new Christians, for the initial growth. But once planted and grown, a tree cannot be easily ripped up from its soil and survive. And neither do we outgrow our need, even now, as people that believe in Jesus for the Word of God. Instead, a disciple is one that takes Delight in the word of the Lord. Psalm 1, 2-3 But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, in which, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. We must ourselves be sinking our roots into the word of God and it is foolish to think that a seedling or a tree will continue to grow if it is ripped up from the soil 1 Corinthians 15 1 to 2 now I would remind you brothers and sisters of the good news that I proclaim to you which you in turn received in which you also stand through which also you are being saved 
if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. Paul reminds the Corinthians in this passage that in order to continue steadfastly in their salvation, they must do what? Be reminded of the gospel. Stand in the gospel. Hold firm to it. Our need for the power of the word of God does not diminish. So what is the first thing we need to do to make disciples? We need to bury them like acorns in the word of God. Not with aggression. We don't beat people with the gospel. But like someone who desperately wants to see growth, who desperately wants to see an acorn flourish into an oak, gently carry and place them in the rich soil of the word. However, every farmer knows that just because you place a seed in the right soil with the right amount of water and sun, not every seed grows, especially not ones that are already dead. Every, even healthy seeds, for whatever reason, do not always grow, let alone old mouldy ones. Similarly, discipleship, uh, discipleship growth is not a math equation. You can't just throw scripture at someone and expect that in a little bit of time, a little bit of soaking up, hey presto, they've turned into a full-on Christian. Discipleship isn't a math equation, it is a grace equation. Empowered by the gospel and by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, 6-7 says, I planted, this is Paul, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. You, me, we, take our undiscipled friends, even if we took them to the best church, to hear the most powerful proclamations of the gospel that could be heard from mortal lips and go there for the rest of our lives, even every day. We could be planting them in what looks like the richest of all the soils and none of that, none of that guarantees one iota of the smallest amounts of growth if God doesn't give it. Specifically, we will, grow if the, we will grow only if the Holy Spirit is present, providing the life and the energy that we need. So what do we need to do then? Pray. Being a disciple of Jesus allows no place for pride. Our strength, in fact, our only strength in this world is the one in whom we call upon. Like a newborn baby calling on a parent, we call to the Spirit to be present and active in our lives and in those that we desire to see become disciples. Because we have no strength to produce growth ourselves. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4-5 says, For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that He chose you, because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. 
just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in another place that I can't pronounce. This message highlights, doesn't it, the necessity of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of a disciple of Jesus. It inspires the reception of the Word of God, reception with joy. This sounds like the delight that we have already spoken about, delight in the Word. And it is because of this, this double hit of power of the Word and of the Holy Spirit, that the Thessalonians are being praised by Paul as what? As examples of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world, as disciples of Jesus. Galatians 5, 22-25. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against such things and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Just as with the Word of God, we cannot, cannot stop receiving the growth-producing power of the Holy Spirit. We do not outgrow our need for it. To do so would be like taking the sun away and expecting the tree to continue on living. If we are not humbly praying for the ongoing grace of God in the work of the Holy Spirit in in the lives of ourselves and those that we are hoping to disciple, we may as well be planting rocks instead of seeds. In order to make disciples, we must be proclaiming the word and praying for the grace of the Holy Spirit to be present. It is for this very purpose that God has given you and I and all of his disciples spiritual gifts so that we might also participate in his divine work of making disciples. In building one another up into Christ-likeness, God uses us as his agents on earth to participate in proclaiming and for praying for one another. Now this is where my oak tree illustration begins to fall apart because oak trees are just totally selfish. They are only out for themselves. We, however, are supposed to participate with God in making more disciples for Jesus. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in in deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth In love, we must grow up in every way to him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, 
as each part is, is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. We are to all be united together, piling the word of God upon one another, praying for the spirit to be active in one another, urging one another to remain rooted in the word of God and not stepping up and walking away, which means that in order to sustain your grasp of the gospel, in order to grow the new disciples, what do you need? We need the church. You need people, the people, right next to you. You cannot do this alone. Podcasts, online sermons, articles, they're all very wonderful things. But they are not a replacement for having a good, challenging, honest, deep relationship with another Christian, with other people that are here. We as the disciples of Jesus are to have really special relationships with one another. And we are to be extending those relationships then to those that are outside the church, making new disciples. Now, if we are each, to respons- if we are each responsible for the proclamation and prayer of one another for the rest of our lives and for praying for each other for the rest of our lives, what exactly does that look like? Are we talking about just quoting a lot of scripture, just a lot of text messages to one another? I don't think so. Or at least I wouldn't limit it to that. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, What should be done then, my friends? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. As I said earlier, it is not the presentation that is important, but instead the message. Let the words you speak be rich in the word of God. Be bold in using the gifts God has given you to proclaim the word of God to everyone. This could look like a lot of different things. On Wednesday mornings, Dennis and I catch up. We spend some time reading uh, a psalm together. Then we spend some time thinking about it, discussing it, and then opening up about life and praying for one another. It is one of the best things I have ever done. And it is every week and very intentional. We do not, however, sing together. (laughs) I do sing to my children. They know the words to a lot of kids' Bible songs and a number of old school hymns because... I'm in charge and I'm teaching them, so they get what I tell them. I also read a lot of stories. I pray and live a life as close to what I can to exemplify Jesus Christ to them, to teach them. What I don't do is lay down incredibly difficult theological questions that challenge the foundations of who they are just yet. They're not ready for them. I do ask the ones they're ready for. My mentors, on the other hand, do ask incredibly difficult questions that challenge my foundations because they want me to sink my roots deeper into the gospel of God, deeper into the gospel and not into the world. What things could you be doing? 
not just inside the church, but outside of the church as well. How could you be proclaiming the word to other people? There are many ways that we can be participating in discipling one another, but each of them requires intention. They don't just happen. And we tend to get a little lazy in doing this, myself included. We must be about proclaiming, praying and participating in discipling one another. The last point this morning is this. We must likewise be prepared to persevere. Did you know, right, you do because I already told you, that it takes an oak tree 50 to 100 years to mature, which means that they have had to persevere in their growth. Imagine the things a 100-year-old oak has seen, 100 seasons of hot and cold, 100 seasons of fire, ice, wind, earthquakes, sickness, animals and pestilence. If we leave this morning knowing nothing about discipleship, we know a little bit more about oak trees. <laughs> In order to reach full maturity as disciples of Jesus Christ and in order to lead other people to do the same, we must persevere. Not only in our own suffering, but in the suffering of one another. John 15, 18 to 19 says, If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. But you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. As a disciple and as someone that will disciple, it is important that we realise the journey will not be one without obstacles. To belong to Christ is to walk against the flow of the world and the world will throw things at you to knock you off your feet so that you are swept away. The gospel message is considered foolish. It is a message that produces persecution. It is for this reason that we must persevere and to do this together by encouraging one another to sink our roots ever more deeply into the gospel of Jesus that we may not be shaken and to find ever more grander delight in Jesus. You remember how that song goes? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We must also be aware that like an oak tree, the road to being a disciple of Jesus is not a short one and it is not an easy one. It can take a very long time. When you're speaking to someone or trying to speak into somebody's life, when you are piling on that word of God and they just don't seem to be getting it, the growth doesn't seem to be coming, does that mean we give up and walk away? No. J. Oswald Sanders wrote in his book In Pursuit of Maturity, a Chinese proverb says, 
If you are working for a year, plant rice. If you're working for a century, plant a tree. If you're working for eternity, plant a man. When God is developing a life for eternity, he is in no hurry. A pumpkin will mature in three months, but an oak tree takes a century and there are no shortcuts. The road to being a disciple of Jesus is long and it is bumpy and it is seldom straight. But that is because we are called to being so much more than a pumpkin. We're called to being so much more than an oak tree. We are called into the fullness of Jesus Christ. So we must persevere. In closing this morning, how are disciples made? It is a work of grace done by God. Everything you've heard this morning, proclaiming the word, praying for others, none of it produces any growth except for what God gives. It is a work of grace. And as a part of his grace, he has given us one another to encourage with the word of God and with prayer that we may sink our roots more deeply every day into the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are a part of the gracious gift of God to one another. But it's not a work. When Mark mentioned a few weeks ago that we want to have at Allgate a discipleship culture, what that really looks like is these four things playing out every day. Proclamation. That we would be a body of believers that are planted deeply and planting others deeply in the word of God and delighting in it. Praying. That we would be on our knees before God before the cross, asking for his spirit to be at work in the growth of one another. That we would be participating. A people that are caught up in the growth of others, singing and teaching and speaking and writing the word of God to one another so that no one is in isolation. No one is growing by themselves or left behind. And a culture that is persevering as a church together under God. Enduring the trials that come along by holding firm to the cross and encouraging one another to sink your roots more deeply into the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to have a discipleship culture and to make disciples. Let's pray and then we will continue to worship. Father God, we give thanks for your good work. All of it finds its root, its initial place, all in you. And it doesn't then separate itself from you in any way. You continue to empower it, direct it. Lord, we owe everything to you. The words of the people next to us to encourage us to persevere, to sink our roots more deeply into the gospel, to, to call us out when we're doing the wrong thing is still words from you. Lord, all that you might say and call us your children. 
Father, we give thanks. I pray for everyone here today. Lord, more than anything, that we have caught a wonderful glimpse into your work that you are doing and able to rejoice and say thank you for where you've brought us. But also, Lord, to say thank you for allowing us the opportunity to participate in divine works. What a privilege. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.